60,000 is brought to you in part by RP Funding. RP Funding Inc. is licensed and can offer loans in Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Kentucky, Louisiana, North Carolina, Ohio, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Virginia, and West Virginia, and is also licensed by the Mississippi Department of Banking and Consumer Finance and by the Pennsylvania Department of Banking and Securities. Office is located at 500 Wonderly Place, Suite 300, Maitland, Florida, 32751. Telephone 321-397-4420. RP Funding's nationwide mortgage licensing system ID number is 70168, and Robert Palmer's NMLS ID number is 76197. We're saving thousands with Robert Palmer right here on the Saving Thousands Radio Network. Robert Palmer is the financial advisor that consumers have been waiting for, from personal finance to credit cards and debt management, and even on to home ownership and beyond. Robert Palmer takes to the airwaves seven days a week, and now 24 hours a day, seven days a week on one of his channels to help you and to enrich your life. Those who listen to the Saving Thousands radio show and those who frequent the SavingThousands.com website quickly and easily become informed and empowered consumers as masters of their financial world. So today's the day that you take charge of your money. Today's the day that you find out you've got more money at the end of the day, more money at the end of the week, and all of us working together to become empowered consumers. And that puts us in the driver's seat. There is no doubt about that. Got a great show for you today. We'll talk about the dangers of that debit card that you carry around in your wallet or purse and you use everywhere you go. Well, there's some real dangers out there with these debit cards and you need to know what they are. You need to know how to avoid some financial traps. Our second topic today will be how do we find out if it's time to refi or not? And what are the steps to going through a refinance? It's not all that complicated. We'll talk about insurance and mortgage payments and the way that many costs enter into that monthly payment you make, including your homeowner's insurance and, of course, your property taxes. The list goes on and on. We'll talk about the importance of shopping around and the very real importance of if you're going to get a mortgage, make sure that you lock in your interest rate as soon as possible. Robert? Let's get back to these debit cards and credit cards and all that plastic we carry. I want to touch on the debit card issue. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, so the the big thing here, uh, and, you know, and, and, and Jill, uh, when we were in New York, uh, Jill momentarily thought she had misplaced her wallet. And I'm like, well, uh, well at least you don't have a debit card on you this time around, right? Yeah, we remember the first yeah. story. <laughs> so uh, what, what can happen, this is why I'm against debit cards. So when it comes to fraud protections, uh, legally, right? So now some banks will have additional protections, but but as far as the global market, what the law says, uh, you do not receive the same kind of fraud protections on a debit card that you receive on a credit card, right? So on a credit card, you call them and you're you're only liable, I think, for like the first fifty dollars, right? Uh, even if it takes you a while to report and discover. Uh, on a debit card, on a debit card, you are are responsible uh, if you report it in the first forty eight hours, it's fifty dollars. After forty eight hours, it goes to five hundred dollars. Uh, and then after 30 days, you're you're liable. You don't get any of the money back, right? So that that part, yeah, you may catch it fast enough. That may or may not hurt you. The real problem is the fact that the thief is now dipping directly into your checking account, right? So uh, this is the this is the story I like to tell. This is the scenario that really paints this picture. Uh, so on one of Jill and mine's first date, uh, her purse was stolen. We were at a, a a club in downtown Orlando, and someone stole her purse. And they went immediately to a number of gas stations. Uh, and completely wiped out her bank account. And at the time, uh, she had a debit card, and they they were using her debit card. Uh, and so because of this, uh, her rent check ended up bouncing, uh, which created a, a you know a nightmare with the landlord, you know, and, <laughs> oh. and overdraft fees upon overdraft fees, and return check fees, and all of this disaster happening. Uh, because with a debit card, see, with a credit card, so let's just kind of roll the same scenario back. So in scenario A, they take her debit card and they and they go, she's got $2,000 in the bank and they wipe it all out. And I don't know how much she had. I'm just throwing out numbers. Uh, we weren't married or, or entwining our finances at that point. So <laughs> we'll hypothetically say she had $2,000. Whatever she had, they used it all. Sure. So they go, they, she has $2,000 in her checking account and they go roll up $2,000 worth of charges on her debit card. She now has $0 in her checking account oh. and, uh, and, and her rent bounces and all these terrible things happen. And I would say 10, 12, 14 days later, uh, all the money got put back because it was fraud and she did report it quickly. But still, for 10, 12, 14 days, she sat there with an overdrawn checking account, racking up overdraft oh. charges. And I'll have to ask her if her bank worked with her on that. Hey, baby, if you're listening, send me a text, 35353. 
or my personal cell and let me know if if the bank refunded you those overdraft fees or not. I don't I don't know that part of the story. Boy. So anyway, so all these overdraft fees, the account's negative. Uh, all this is happening, right? Let's go to scenario B. She had not she was not carrying a debit card. All she had was credit cards. Right. So now she has $2,000 in her checking account. The the thief takes her credit card and racks up $2,000 worth of charges. Well, how much money is in her checking account, Rob? 2000 Still $2,000. She didn't lose any money. She didn't lose any money, right? So now her rent check doesn't bounce. Uh, no overdraft fees. Nothing happens. The, the worst thing happening to her right now is she has $2,000 sitting on a credit card, right, which isn't even racking up interest yet because it's it's the billing cycle hasn't closed. We get the grace period. Nothing is happening. Her credit card limit is down by $2,000, but that's okay. She's got her two grand in the bank that she needs to live off of, right? And so then you, you report it with the credit card companies. And from my experience, most credit card companies will take the transactions out almost immediately, that's all right? right? And, and even right. if they do take some time to research it, it's not affecting your life because your $2,000 is still sitting in your checking account, right? And, and so I am so passionate about this. I made my bank give me an ATM card. Right. They're like, no, sir, we, we here's your check card. No, 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 no. I want an ATM card, you know, the kind with the pin number. Oh, well, yes, sir. This this check card right here can be used as an ATM card. No, you are not listening to me. <laughs> I am not accepting a card from you that has a visa or a MasterCard logo on it and is tied to my checking account. Well, sir, I don't know if we even have those anymore. Well, you need to call someone. Or I'm going to close my account and go find a bank that does. Mm -hmm. And so I have a good old-fashioned ATM card. It does not have a Visa logo on it. It does not have a MasterCard logo on it. You cannot use it just with a signature. The only way to use this card is at an ATM machine with a PIN number, right? Nice. So this, this is my protection because most thieves have no way to crack my PIN number, right? Uh, you know, and, and and if they do, most ATMs have a limit. You can't take more than, I think you can't take more than four or $500 a day, mm -hmm. where sure. when that debit card is in, you know, when that card is in debit card mode, they can clean you out. Uh, so I do not carry a check card. I do not think uh, any of my financial ninjas should carry check cards. I think you should all go to your bank today and tell them you want an ATM card mm -hmm. that doesn't have a Visa logo on it and doesn't have a MasterCard logo on it. And the teller will look at you like you have seven eyes. And kind of like jaw drop, like, what do you, what? Yeah. You, why don't, no, it's so convenient, sir. You want the Visa check card. No, I do not. Right. I am not giving anyone who gets their hands on my wallet, you know, access to my checking account. So, you know, think about it. When when we went to Rome, imagine if, if we're over there, we're over in Rome and somebody gets their hands on, on your check card and cleans out your bank account. I mean, it's just scary. So uh, the other thing is I, I never, I'm kind of paranoid about this, Rob, you yeah. know, obviously. Uh, I, I never carry all my credit cards either. There's always a couple at home Very smart. in the safe, right? Very smart. So if something goes wrong and my wallet gets stolen, I am not without, right? I, I can I can go home and I can grab my backup cards out of the safe. I can kill those couple cards uh, that got stolen, and I can I can roll around and continue life as usual uh, because I put I charge everything and then I just pay it off. Right? I mean, I because from a record keeping standpoint, uh, you know, it's it's so easy. I, just, I I put everything on a credit card. Depending on what what week of the month it is, I, I use my credit card of the week based on the statement closing date, so I can get maximum float. And I put everything on my credit cards, and then I pay them off. And that then I rack up a lot of points. And you will be amazed uh, who I would say pretty much everyone out there, except for your mortgage company, will take a credit card. You can pay just about anything on a credit card these days, mm -hmm. which is great. You know, and then too, it's good record keeping. You know, I go back at the end of the month, Gosh. and I'm like, where'd the money go? Let me. We pull up the old card and figure it out, you know, like taxes into the year. Yeah, everything's right there. It's all right there. It's all right there. So that's yes, yeah, so that that's my big anti-debit card. You know, the 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 first one is just the legal protections. They're not there. They're not there in the same way as the credit card. And really, what's the benefit to us as a consumer? I mean, oh well. So the final thing uh, in our example. So I'm talking about credit cards and float, right? So when when you use a debit card, the money comes out of your checking account right then, right? Then, right? And, and and so. When, when I show people where they can put their money to earn a little yield, which we're going to do in, in later shows, if your money's there, it's earning you a little bit of interest. And, and if you can, if you use credit cards, you get 60 days in some cases to pay that money back without paying a dime of interest during the, the statement period and then the grace period. Well, if you're using a debit card, you don't get that float. The minute you charge it, it comes out of your bank account. Mm -hmm. Your ability to earn money on your money goes away. You know, And, and again, because interest rates have been so low for so long, uh, a lot of people are kind of like, well, I can't earn money on my money anyway. Well, you, there are ways, but more importantly, rates will not always be this low. And what I will tell you, Rob, is that when when 
interest rates, when Fed rates were in the fives and sixes, right, I still had a credit card that was at 9.99. And now that the Fed rate is is basically nothing, credit card rates didn't really come down. Right? Oh. And so, you know, uh, uh, while long-term interest rates came down, short-term interest rates for most consumers did not come down the way as much as the loss of income on savings and checking and other things did. So what I will tell you is we will quickly be back in an environment where interest rates are higher, where you can earn money on CDs and savings and everything. And these strategies, because the amount of interest you pay on a credit card during the grace period, it will always be zero. So even if you can earn one, two, three percent on your money, which those days are coming back. I promise you they are coming back. I you know, I uh, I am very involved in an industry that is very tied to interest rates. <laughs> and, and trust me, I make a lot more money when rates are low, but I am not uh, I am not ignorant to the fact that rates are going mm-hmm. to go up. Uh, and so as we see rates increase, um, you know, as we see rates increase, we're going to have more opportunities as financial ninjas to take advantage of the system. I'm also going to uh, put together, a, you know, a tutorial for people on the website uh, in the coming weeks. That'll be our second research project. So after the credit card research project is done, uh, then we will work on a research project for where I think you can invest your money safely nice. to earn some basic yield. Because that, that's the two sides of this equation, right? In order to maximize and make money off of our money and be a financial ninja, we have to minimize the amount of interest we pay. But then we have to have a way to earn a little interest as well. And short of loan sharking, you know, down on the corner <laughs> to your buddies, uh, we're going to show you some safer ways to, to invest your money. If you're just tuning in, we're saving thousands with Robert Palmer. And you know, at the beginning of the show, I mentioned that the show alone is not the only way that we at the Robert Palmer family of companies help you become empowered in the economy. We also have a service called SavingThousands.com. An entire division of this company works only on the website. They're constantly doing research. They're constantly meeting with Robert Palmer himself and constantly looking at the economy and, of course, brushing up on those headlines and finding out the latest investigations into financial institutions that are just simply out to rip us off. And so they put all that information together, and, oh, two or three or four times a day, we update the website, savingthousands.com. When you go to the site, you'll see it's very, very easy to navigate. This is probably the easiest-to-navigate site you've got. And guess what? It's totally free. That's right. Everything on the site is free. So therefore, nobody's trying to con you into a membership. Nobody's trying to sell you anything. No, the information is all designed to empower you. So when you come to savingthousands.com, you'll have to spell out the word thousands. You'll see the homepage, of course, and the tabs across the top of the page. One, you'll see the rules. These are the 15 rules to success as created by Robert Palmer after years and years of studying your credit applications, your credit reports, and your mortgage applications. He made up these rules to kind of make the difference from those who may have a 500 credit score, but yearn to have an 800 credit score. You can get there if you follow the rules to success, and they're not hard. The next tab at the top of the homepage is radio shows. Yes, we have archived over 400 hours of audio that you can get to by topic. Then there's the station listings. There's Ask Robert and the Home Value Hotline. And speaking of Ask Robert or Ask RP, Robert, we've got Greg out there wondering how we determine when is the best time to refinance. Oh, wow. Great question, Craig. Like that one. Yeah. So here's the deal. So, I mean, refinance is purely a a financial transaction, right? Mm-hmm. Buying a home, there's some emotion involved and you you know you love the home and you want to get in the home and refinancing is all about dollars and cents and numbers, right? right. I will tell you Rob the the number one profession that I love to refinance is engineers because they get it and they understand oh. the power of us not charging fees and they you know like we we probably convert 99% of the engineers that call here, they do business with us because they get it. They, they get the numbers, right? Mm-hmm. They, these people live and breathe analytical numbers. So this is it. I hope you're I hope you're an analytical guy. And I hope if you're listening right now, you want a little analytical training because that's what this whole calculation of refinancing comes down to. So you have an interest rate on your mortgage. You have a balance on your mortgage. Mm-hmm. Let's say said interest rate is 4.5%. Right. Let's say said balance is 200000 Right. Mm -hmm. That means in rough numbers, you will pay nine thousand dollars in interest over the next 12 months. Right. 
Now that number goes down a little bit because each payment drops the balance. So after you know you go from two hundred to one ninety nine nine. So we're rough numbers. I'm talking like nine grand, right? So if you could drop that interest rate to three and a half percent, now it's going to be seven grand. So you will save about two thousand dollars in interest, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So you say, all right, well, I can save $2,000 in interest over the next 12 months by dropping my interest rate 1% on a $200,000 loan. And again, it's a little less than that because the, the balance declines, but it's a good it's a good rough number. Sure. If somebody really wants to get in there and, and run an amortization schedule, I'll teach a whole different class on that and we'll get it down to the penny, right? <laughs> um, but anyway, so this is rough. This is good kind of back of the napkin rough numbers. Sure. So then you say, well, how much is it going to cost me to refinance this home loan? Uh -huh. Well, if you call right now, it's going to cost you zero. Because I'm paying closing costs with my advertising budget. But that's a whole other story. We'll we'll just forget that for now. So we will say that, what we say, Rob, on a $200,000 loan, the closing costs are about four grand, five grand. What did we say? We did that math yesterday. We did the math and it was just over 4000 Just over four. All right. So about $4,000 in closing costs. And then if you pick one of those lenders who charges underwriting and processing and origination uh, fees and they're paying their sales guy eight grand and all this other garbage, uh, you're probably going to have another two, 3000 to them. So when you get the numbers and you say, well, wow, there's a... Uh, there's $7,000 in closing costs, and I'm only going to save $2,000 the first year. So I would need to save money the first year, the second year, the third year, halfway through the fourth year before I make back my $7,000 and before I actually start saving a dime. And you think, well, man, I may not even be in this house in four years, so that's probably not a good deal. Deal or no deal? Mm. No deal. No right? deal. So let's, let's look at the other math. So let's say that, that you're going to save $2,000 the first year, and uh, the cost of the refinance is zero. Because I'm paying all the closing costs out of my advertising budget. We're doon that right now at RP Funding, NMLS ID 70168. That's our license number, right? We're paying all the closing costs on a refinance out of my advertising budget. So now you look at it and say, well, I can save $2,000 the first year, and it costs me zero. Deal or no deal? Mm, deal. Deal. Right? Deal. Yeah, we're going for that one. How many years are going to be in the house? Who cares? You're saving money at month one. Yeah. Now, here is the other factor. This is what we call the headache factor, the hassle factor. Uh -huh. The It will take some effort on your part to refinance your home loan. Now, we try to make it as absolutely easy as possible. We do. But we still need some paperwork. If you're self-employed, we need tax returns. If you're a W-2 employee, we're going to need those W-2s and pay stubs. You know, uh, If you are on Social Security retirement, we're going to need some proof of that. Letters from your pension fund or letters from mm. you know, the Social Security Administration. We got to prove your income. Got to prove your assets. Got to check your credit. You got to send us that document. You got to e-sign the package. That's probably 30 minutes of your life. You got to show up at a closing or we can send a notary to your house. Either way, your call. It's going to take a couple hours of your life to go through the paperwork and have the notary sign it all. These are things you have to do. So if you sit down and say, what are five hours of my life worth? And, and let's call that a cost, right? So I'm going to say, well, five hours of my life, Rob, I think five hours of my life is worth $500. Okay. okay? So I can save 2000 the first year, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call a $500 hassle factor because I have to show up and participate mm -hmm. in the closing of this mortgage. So take that into account too, right? So if, if, if you're only going to save a couple hundred bucks a year, it's probably not worth the hassle factor. Mm -hmm. Now, financially, it makes sense. See, my engineer buddies, they will take it. They they will they will do it because they will say, well, look, I only make, well, Robert, I only make $21 an hour. And so my, you know, five hours of my life is $100. So if I can save $300 next year, you know, again, that, you know, the very analytical, mm -hmm. very analytical people will, will refinance that to save any amount of money because it is the right financial decision. Other people, less, less analytical, a little more emotional. It's like, yeah, well, my time is valuable. My time is my time. I'd rather go to the movies with my kids. I Completely respectable. Sure. Understand it. But so that's the decision you have to make. I can't tell you how much you need to save to justify your involvement in the refi process. I can tell you how much you're going to save by calculating your current interest rate versus mm -hmm. the new interest rate. Uh, I can tell you how much you're going to save if we're going to shave a couple years off your mortgage, right? Say you're going to go, say, mm. you got, say you've got 19 years left on your mortgage and we're going to refinance you to a 15-year mortgage with a similar payment because the rate's better. You can do some quick math and figure out what four less years of mortgage payments does oh. for you, right? And you can figure out what zero closing costs looks like because it's zero. I mean, it is zero. It's 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 round. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they put a line through it so you don't confuse it with with the big O. Zero, right? O, zero. That's right. it. That's it. Zero. So I can tell you what zero closing costs looks like. And I can tell you, you can call here right now at 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634, and we'll give you a copy of a, a good faith estimate that shows you what zero closing costs looks like. And you can do some math and say, well, if I'm going to save 1000 bucks a year, it's going to cost me zero. Is that worth it or not to me for the amount of my time it's going to take? That's the decision only you can make. So mathematically, it's easy. It's that emotional piece. It's that personal time piece. It's mm -hmm. what's the headache worth, right? I mean, you got to spend some time on the phone with us and we're going to we're gonna probe into your life a little bit. We're going to ask you about where you work and how long you've been there and how much you make and how many kids you got and are you married and what's the spouse, you know, what's their income look like and how much money do you have in the bank and what's your credit score and 
oh, you got this, you know, collection from five years ago. What happened there? I mean, we're going to ask you some questions. We're going to dig into your life a little bit. But when the dust settles and you got that brand new RP funding mortgage with a better interest rate, you're going to save money. And it didn't cost you anything because right now on refinances, I'm paying all the closing costs. How can I pay all the closing costs? Well, I would say a good start is I don't pay $8,000 a deal in commission. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good start. What do you think What do you think is tougher, Rob, to pay $4,000 in closing costs or $8,000 in commission? I like it. Right? That's it. I mean, it's that it's simple. It's a pretty simple it's thing. That So even, one, even when I pay all your closing costs and I pay my guy their commission, my guy got their commission, I'm at like maybe 4600 bucks. And this guy who sent me this letter trying to recruit me to work for his company, he's at 8000 oh. just on the commission. It's crazy. No wonder he can't. No wonder he says there's no way to do a loan with no closing costs. Oh, sure. You know, of course not. You're paying your sales guy $8,000 in commission. I don't know how you sleep at night. <laughs> I know how I sleep at night like a baby. There you go. Because I save people money each and every day. So mm-hmm. uh, there's the answer, Rob. It, you take the, the amount of money you can save by looking at the amount of interest you're going to pay, which is current balance times current interest rate, compared to the amount of money you will pay under the new mortgage which is current balance times new interest rate. Mm-hmm. And you look at that number, and that's the, the first year savings. And you compare that to the cost, which if you call me right now at 855-773-8634, that cost is zero. Nice. And you compare those two, and then you factor in some money for the hassle, right? Yeah. For the, the, time. the, for the time, for the effort. Maybe you want to come down to the office and see us in person, factor in a little gas money, factor in a little mm-hmm. time there, a little wear and tear, mileage on your vehicle, whatever you want to do. Whatever you need to make yourself feel good about the decision. And then make a decision and call us. If you want us to do all this math for you, well, we're happy to. My licensed loan originators who are not making $8,000 in commission per transaction oh, yeah. will happily calculate and, and help you figure out. And we'll tell you whether it's worth it or not. We tell people, hey, this one, this one just didn't worth it, man. You're only, you know, you're only saving a quarter point on your interest rate. It's just not worth it. And they'll say, well, Robert, we really want you to service our loan. We really want to move our loan over to RP funding. I say, you're only saving like, like 100 bucks a year. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Don't do it. Just don't. Go keep your mortgage. Right. You know, it's okay. So if you have a question for Robert Palmer, simply go to savingthousands.com. As I said a while ago, you have to spell out the word thousands, but go to savingthousands.com. Across the top of the homepage, you will see a tab where you simply go ask Robert. Click on that, a form will appear, and you simply type it into the form. Robert will give you a direct answer back, direct from his computer. That's right. And that probably will become a topic for a future show. We won't give your identity, all right? Maybe your first name, but there's an awful lot of Gregs and Andreas and Robs and Daves out there, all right? So that's just part of the service that we love to provide, Ask RP. I also mentioned that we do have a radio shows tab, and on that radio shows tab, you'll be able to click on that, and you'll come up on a page. I'm looking at it right now, and uh, there's some of the shows that are highlighted, and they're highlighted right now by how they're trending, like, What are the shows that you are looking for most? All right, here's the first one. Learn everything about the variety of loans and the loan process from Robert Palmer himself. Here's one. Owning a home is special, and Robert Palmer explains why it's so special for you to own a house, not just setting up legacy, but beginning your financial freedom and beginning your financial dynasty. All right, we go on down. Here's don't be left in the dark on mortgage loan processes and the way some companies just hit you with so many lender fees that at the end of the day, you end up buying or being able to afford much lesser of a home because you paid too much in fees. Well, you don't want to do that. All right. How about closing on a home? A lot of people say, oh, I'd rather go to a dentist appointment than go to a closing. Once you understand the closing, as it's explained in this radio show that we recorded and an info module we recorded is much shorter, you'll understand that the closing process is more of a celebration. So that's just some of the shows that you'll find when you click on radio shows that's saving thousands. All right, Robert, when we think about buying a home, too many of us will get our mortgage approved for how much home we can buy. But that doesn't really clearly explain how much our monthly payments are going to be. Yeah, so here here's the thing. We don't we don't really care how much the house costs, right? I mean, when we make you a mortgage, we will loan you. We don't care how much we're loaning you. What we care about is how much the monthly payment is, right? That's what your income. We don't have a formula to say, well, John, you only make $60,000 a year, so you can only afford $120,000 house. Uh, what, what happens is, John, you make $60,000 a year, so you can only afford a, a $1,300 a month mortgage payment, and then we tell you that that's roughly a X amount of house, 
right? But the key is for your qualification is that monthly payment. And so there are things you can do to screw that up, right? And there are houses that are too expensive in other ways beyond the sales price uh, that can make it to where you don't qualify for them. So the payment on two, you can have two houses that both cost the same thing, right? So let's say we have two houses and they both cost $200,000, right? You may be able to afford one, but not the other. And here is why. Maybe one of those houses is in an area where the property taxes are much higher. So maybe on one of the houses, the property taxes are $2,000 a year. Let's say $2,400 a year. $2,400 a year, 200 bucks a month in one house. And let's say the other house, the taxes are $4,800 a year because it's got a CDD and it was built during the boom and and there's all this stuff built into the taxes and it's in it's in an area where you're paying city tax and county tax where the other house is just county tax. So in one house, the taxes are 200 a month and the other house, the taxes are 400 a month. So the monthly payment will clearly not be the same. The monthly payment will be $200 higher on the house with the $4,800 a year taxes. It's just how it works. So you may not qualify for that house because the taxes are so much above average. See, when we're telling you you can afford a $200,000 house, we're using kind of a general average of property taxes. Mm -hmm. And this is why we, when we work with our clients, when they do start to look at houses, we ask them to let us know which ones they are and to look at the property taxes mm -hmm. and to see to make sure they still qualify. So let's say it gets even worse because that house that's got the $4,800 taxes, it's also in a gated community with a 24-hour guard out front and seven, oh, no. 17 Olympic-sized swimming pools, six movie theaters. I mean, this this place, the streets are actually bricked in gold, right? And so, so there's homeowners association dues. You got to pay your homeowner association dues. They are going to yell at you when you try to put your boat in the driveway. Oh, yes. They are going to yell at you if you have cars parked on the street overnight, but they're going to give you access to the Olympic swimming pools and the theater and the, the guard at the gate. And for that privilege, you are going to pay them, mm, what do we say, Rob? Let's say we're going to pay them $600 a quarter. We'll go with that. Does that sound reasonable for go. gold streets? And mm -hmm. all? Maybe not. Like what, what, you know, what, 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 you've, you've lived in some. Oh, uh, I live in a gated community yeah. right now. I, I pay. Right now, a quarter, about uh, 500 a quarter. All right, so we'll, we'll say 500 a quarter, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. So, boom. So, there, there's more money going out the door, right? So, all these things. So, now the payment's even higher it's because right. when we're qualifying, because as long as you live in that house, you have to pay the association. If you don't, they will put a lien on your house. Mm -hmm. And as lenders, we do not like the idea of someone putting a lien mm -hmm. on your house. So, when we look at your qualifying payment, we have to look at your principal and interest. That's the easy one, right? Principal and interest, that's the same for every house in America that costs $200,000. The principal and the interest are going to be the same. Then we got to look at the taxes. Taxes can vary wildly. If the person selling you the house didn't have homestead exemption, maybe they, you know, maybe it's in an area that's just more expensive. Whatever it is, you've got to look at those property taxes. Next, the HOA dues, right? If you're paying crazy homeowner association dues because house A is in the gated community with the guard and the, the gold streets and Olympic swimming pool, and community B is just out in the country and there is no mm -hmm. there is no uh, community to pay, that makes a difference. And then the last one is insurance. So we're, we're going to talk about insurance here, Rob. All right. And don't forget, if you have questions about all this or anything having to do with mortgages, refis, whatever, hey, the offices are open even on weekends at 855-773-8634, 855-773-8634. Robert Palmer, RP Funding, is talking right now about the fact that your principal and your interest is not your house payment. A lot of people got in trouble during the crash or before the crash because they said, oh, I can afford that house. But then they found out that monthly, the money going out in association with owning the house, there was a lot more that went into the payment when you look at the big picture, as my father used to say. So we had the HOA. We had the property taxes. There's just an awful lot of stuff to consider. Yep. So now we're going to talk about the insurance, oh, right? All trouble. right. So let's say, again, and I'm going to use some extreme examples today to illustrate my point. But so let's say house A uh, is, bra is brand new. House A is a block home. It's built to the newest hurricane codes. And it has, you know, the newest technologies and plumbing. And it's got the hurricane straps on the roof. And so this $200,000 house, the homeowner's insurance is like $550 a year. It is dirt cheap. It is less than $50 a month to insure mm -hmm. this house because it is block. It is rock solid. It is brand new. It is built to all the hurricane standards. It's close to a fire department. Yes, that actually makes a difference. It does. Being within a reasonable driving distance to a fire department, all of these things, this house is cheap, 550 bucks to insure a year. Then we go to house B. House mm -hmm. B was built in like 1922. It's a frame <laughs> house. The roof hasn't ever been replaced. They just kind of tarred over it. Uh, the, the wiring is actually aluminum, which is frowned upon, believe it or not. 
the piping is polybutylene, uh, which is known to erupt mm. and cause problems. And so on this house, and the fire department is like three bridges, three drawbridges away. Little house you know, of horrors. Yeah, this is no good. <laughs> and, and you fall in love with this house, and it's in the perfect neighborhood and the perfect school district, but it's $3,000 a year to get insurance on it. And so now this house is 250 bucks a month for insurance, where the other house was was less than 50 bucks a month right. for insurance. That's a huge impact on your payment. So, so far, just because of the taxes and the HOA and the insurance, this one house probably costs double of the other. So the one $200,000 mm-hmm. house is half as much a month as the other one because of the taxes, the insurance, and the HOA. And then finally, unfortunately, this house is also in a flood zone. I mean, this oh, house could not no. have, the, the chips could not be any more down. It's near a little pond, and you love that. But unfortunately, it was built right at the 100-year flood return uh, level. So once every 100 years, this house will be underwater in theory. Uh, and so you have to get flood insurance. And then they go out, and, and, and so you have to have a, an elevation certificate done where a surveyor goes out and tries to figure out how high the foundation is and is the house going to make it if it floods. So you pay 1000 bucks for the elevation certificate and the survey, and you find out that it's even worse news because it's right at that level that it is going to flood. And so the flood insurance is another $3,000 a year. They really should have built this house on stilts. I mean, at this point, we are hopefully no longer buying this house because mm-hmm. it is now more than twice as expensive as the exact same priced house in a different neighborhood in a different area. And 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 while this is an exaggeration, we have seen examples pretty close to this. I mean, there, there are some homes out there that are really expensive to insure because they're older, the wiring, the plumbing, the flood zone thing happens, especially on the coast. You know, I mean, if you're buying a home, you know, Melbourne, Titusville, near the coast, a lot of those areas have expensive flood insurance. You've got to be prepared for it. We had the big debacle like a year ago where the flood program got defunded and all of a sudden mm-hmm. people's flood insurance tripled and it was this big disaster and most of that got worked out. Uh, but yeah, all these all these things impacted. So when I tell you go buy a $200,000 house, uh, I'm, I'm assuming that none of this craziness is going to happen. And we build some cushion in for some craziness, but we can't have all the craziness on the same house. And so that's where it's very important as you are home shopping to to talk to us, to talk to the insurance agent, to have your real estate agent do the due diligence and check out the property taxes, understand the HOA costs, because you can double the cost to the house oh, yeah. just by making some I mean, wrong decisions, just some unfortunate circumstances surrounding a house that looks great to you. And because it's not like you go to a house that's in a flood zone and it's like underwater today. It looks like a normal house. It's just a little too close to the coast, or the you know it's a little too low. It's in a low lying area. It's not on enough of a hill, and that area can flood. We're we're on a I mean we're on a peninsula, folks. Like there's there's a lot of parts of Florida that could theoretically be underwater over a hundred year period. Uh, you throw in a hurricane or two, and it, it gets ugly. And and so insurance companies have to price all that in accordingly. And so as you are home shopping. You've got to make sure that and the other thing is you got to shop around. I mean, don't take the first insurance quotes you're given. You know, don't take the first mortgage you're offered. Make sure that you're doing your due diligence and you're getting a good deal on all of the parts of the payment. As you've been listening to the show, no doubt you're learning some things that you can do, very simple things you can do to change your economic situation. But you probably also, while you're listening to Robert Palmer, you've probably also thought about different people that are in your life. Maybe they're family members, neighbors. Well, maybe people you go to church with or work with. And what we're talking about here is there's been certain things that Robert's talked about that you thought, oh boy, I bet Cindy could really use that advice. You know, we're talking about those friends that we have that maybe by Wednesday of the week, hopefully it's Wednesday and not Tuesday, they'll come up to you and they'll say, wow, I've run out of money, but I certainly haven't run out a week. And I'm not sure how I'm going to get all my bills paid this month. Well, evidently those folks need to update the way that they handle their finances. And that's what this show is all about. That's where the radio shows that we've archived can help you. And also the articles that appear constantly being updated on savingthousands.com. And of course, we hope that you'll listen to the radio show every single day that you can. And don't forget that the radio show is offered even more than you'll hear it on this station because there are times during the week that you're going to say, well, I'd like to have more consumer empowerment and I'm listening to my smartphone, or I'm listening to my computer, or whatever, okay? You can actually get 24-hour-a-day, seven-days-a-week coverage from Robert Palmer on the Robert Palmer channel on the iHeart app. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah, you can listen to shows around the clock. My mom does. I'm telling you right now. Okay, let's look at some of the articles right now that are trending heavy on the site before we get back to Robert. 
uh, moving back home with mom and dad and your exit strategy from that. That's a good one. And budgeting four ways for you to stay on track. But right now, Robert, let's get some great advice on looking for that home loan. What are we supposed to be doing? Uh, so, you know, we talk shopping around, right? Rule number one, uh, rule number one of saving thousands is obviously shop around. And, and what I will tell people is one of the biggest mistakes that consumers make when they are shopping around for a mortgage. Right? And this is this is really unique to mortgage shopping, right? So if you're not interested in shopping for a mortgage, uh, you can just flip the channel now because we're going to talk about that for a couple <laughs> minutes. Um, but again, most people at some point in their life are going to get another mortgage, whether it's refinancing, buying, whatever. Uh, but so unlike most interest rates, credit card rates, car loan rates, they don't fluctuate as much. See, mortgage rates actually change minute by minute, hour by hour, uh, it, depending on, it's, it's the bond market. So there's an actual mortgage-backed security bond market, uh, and it moves uh, minute by minute. And so where credit card rates, they usually only change them once every couple months. Car loan rates, you know, the banks will send the dealers the rate for the month, and they kind of leave it alone. Uh, mortgage rates are changing all the time, just like the stock market, right? You can't say, oh, in the month of all June long, Apple stock will cost one oh, you know, 130, right? It's changing minute by minute, mm-hmm. hour by hour, day by day. And mortgage rates work the exact same way in the mortgage bond uh, trading, the MBS market. So the key is when you are shopping around for a mortgage, you have to make sure the company you are talking to is prepared to lock your interest rate in at that moment. All right. One of so back in the day, mortgage companies could just blatantly bait and switch their clients. All right. There was no they had to get a good faith estimate, but there was no real regulation around it. And you could be completely off, right? I could give you a good faith estimate that said there was $1 in closing costs, and I could close you with $21,000 in closing costs. And there was nothing illegal about that, which is crazy. But there's still industries like that, like title companies. They don't have to disclaim their fees up front. There's, there's still parts of this whole financial thing that are broken, but they're getting fixed over time. So now mortgage companies are required to, uh, to honor within tolerances the good faith estimate, the the initial fee worksheet, the the loan cost sheet, all right? So if it's certain fees, we have to be dead on. They can't change even a penny. Other fees can change by 10%. So if we quoted 1,000, it can't be more than 1,100. Uh, and so the only way now that, that a mortgage company can bait and switch you legally is to not lock your interest rate in, right? And so yeah. what, what companies will do is they will either quote you a rate that is below market with no intention of locking you in, right? Or they will quote you a large credit. So what they'll do is they'll they'll show that they're going to charge you six thousand dollars in fees, right? In lender fees, but then they give you a six thousand dollar credit. Well, legally they can take that credit away up until you lock in your rate. And so the oh. only way as a consumer that you can retain power uh, when you're shopping for a mortgage is to make sure that you get that rate locked in up front. Now at my mortgage company we lock everyone in at day one, and I've actually lost some customers over this because one of the other idiots they talked to had them so convinced that they had a crystal ball. And they knew what the rates were going to do, that they want to wait to lock in. And we just don't do that. If you want to gamble, go to Las Vegas, put your money in in Apple stock or the bond market. That's great. Mm -hmm. Do not gamble with your interest rate. Do not gamble with your home loan. Uh, This is your residence. This is where you're going to live. This is not something to gamble with. So I force everyone to lock in their rates up front. It's It's how we do business because it protects the consumer. And I'm a big consumer protection guy. And so, yeah, it's cost me some business and it definitely cost me the ability to bait and switch my clients, but Mm -hmm. it's important to me to be transparent and do what's right for the consumer. So we lock the rate in up front. So the game some of these other guys will play, you know, is they will quote somebody a rate that they have no intention of giving them, right? And so until you lock it, because rates change every day. So you come and say, oh, yeah, we got a 2% rate today, 2% rate. And you're like, okay, that sounds great. I'm going to go with you. And then you don't lock the rate in, and it's then like two weeks later when you're ready to, to move forward or when it's actually time to go to closing, and now they tell you the rate's 4%, you can't do anything about it because you didn't lock it. So a mortgage quote when you're shopping around is worthless if the company is not willing to lock it in. So it's simple. When you're shopping, you have to say, hey, am I able to lock this rate in today? If not, what do I have to do before I can lock the rate in? Like we, we make you e-sign a handful of paperwork before you can lock your rate. We got to know you're serious because it actually costs us money to lock a rate. It costs every lender money. Uh, we have to actually go trade mortgage bonds on your behalf to lock your rate. That's how it works. And so we have to go trade these mortgage bonds. And if the market moves and you don't go through with a loan, then we can lose money on those trades. Ooh. It's very complex. Uh, and this is what I did for a lot of years before I opened RP Funding was that bond Ooh. trading. And I'm still personally involved in it here, but not as much. Uh, and so we have to know you're committed. And so we want is we want you to sign some basic e-signs of paperwork so you can get it done same day. You can talk to us in the morning and we quote you a rate and you e-sign your paperwork and get it back to us. 
and we lock your rate in, and you're good. You're solid. And we, we issue you a written rate lock agreement, and it tells you how long the rate's good for and what the rate is and what credits are available and, and all the pertinent information you need. And if you're not getting this, there's a really good chance you're going to be bait and switched by whatever company you're talking to. And so what some lenders will say is they'll say, well, you know, we could, uh, we could lock your rate in. We could, but I don't think we should. You know, I, uh, I got a buddy, and uh, his sister's best friend uh, is dating Ben Bernanke, who, uh, <laughs> former Fed chief, who's got a great relationship with Janet Yellen, current Fed chief, and they think that rates are going down. So I think you should float, float. Float should be a dirty word uh, when it comes to shopping for a mortgage. Amen. Because as soon as you agree to float your rate, the lender can now do whatever they want. They can string you along until the day before closing. And now, I mean, think about this, Rob. So so I'm I'm poor consumer mortgage shopper, and I somebody quotes me this great low rate, and they tell then they convince me to float because they got the inside story. Let me tell you, if they had the inside story, they would not be working as a mortgage loan originator. Oh, yeah. They would be laying on a beach in Tahiti trading mortgage bonds on said uh, insider information, you know, and making billions. Because, I mean, think about it. If you can predict a market, like if I knew, beyond, if I had some insider knowledge that Apple stock was going to, you know, $200 on Friday a week from now, I would put every penny I could possibly get my hands on into Apple and I would retire. Yeah. Right? That's the idea. So if anyone actually had that type of knowledge of mortgage rates, they would not be working as a loan originator. They would be on a beach somewhere day trading mortgage bonds because they could make unlimited money. No one can predict markets. So they tell you this and they convince you to float. And as soon as you agree to float, you've now lost all your power. Uh, because so, so again, they quote you this great rate up front. They convince you to float, right? Rob, put yourself in this situation, right? You're a home buyer. You listen to rule number one, you shop around, you're doing good, but then you let the mortgage guy convince you to float. Okay. So now 30 days go by and it's time to go to closing on your new home. And they say, okay, Rob, we can't float anymore. It's time to go to closing. You have to lock the rate in before you can go to closing. Uh -huh. And you know what? My sister's brother's best friend was wrong. Oh. Rates did not get better. And in fact, they're much, much worse. And I'm now going to give you a 9% interest rate. What are you going to do? And you're going to ask me to bring more money to close. What, what are you going to do, Rob? I mean, are I've you going to stay with you? You are, got me hand. Are you going to walk away from the dream home? Are you going to walk oh. away from the home that you're in love with, that your wife's in love with, that you've showed the kids and you put the pictures on Facebook and you've enrolled the kids in school and everything? Or are you going to take the ridiculous 9% rate? Now, that's obviously a very uh, outlandish example. No one's going to raise the rate that much. They could. What would you do? I mean, what if they raised your rate to 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20? If it's the day before closing, what are you going to do? You're stuck. You're stuck. You have two choices. Take the higher rate or walk away from the house. And the industry knows that most people will take the higher rate. And if you walk away. Because they're emotionally attached. If I walk away, there's also penalties attached, right? I'm going to lose my escrow or I'm yeah, going to lose absolutely. You can even get sued by the seller at that point because, see, the thing is you have financing in place. Now, some real estate contracts are written that your financing has to be below a certain rate or else it doesn't qualify. But even that expires with a finance contingency. So it's just a bad situation. So the way to protect yourself from this is simple. Make sure you get the, the rate lock. Lock the rate in up front. Do not let them convince you to play the float game. Mm -hmm. The only person who benefits from you playing the float game is the mortgage company, okay? Because remember, it costs us money to lock your rate in, right? So by locking your rate in up front, we take more risk in the market because I have to lock your rate in. And then if the inspection comes back bad or the appraisal comes in lower and these things, I can potentially have losses in the market. And we have really complex formulas I wrote for our hedging software that, that I wrote that, that does all this here at RP Funding. And, and I think we do it better than most people. So we don't take as much risk, but some lenders have a really high risk, especially when, when you're dealing with a mortgage broker, because the mortgage broker, the lender doesn't even know if they're actually going to get the loan. So the mortgage broker has to lock the loan with the lender, and then the lender doesn't even know if the mortgage broker really has a file. They've never even met you. And so there's all this cost built into rates around locking. So what mortgage guys figured out is they can make more money if they convince you to float to the end. And then on top of that, they can bait and switch you because they can quote you a really low rate today. Oh, yeah, Rob, we've got the best rate in the country today. Let me give you a 2.2% interest rate. And you say, okay, great, let me lock that in. Well, no, no, Rob, we shouldn't lock it in. We shouldn't lock that in. We want to let that float. Don't ever float. All right? I force every customer to lock in. That's my personal belief. Uh, I, that, that is one thing I am so passionate about, right, and, and it's just such a core part of my beliefs that you do not gamble with this. You do not float your rate. Nothing good can come 
for the consumer out of floating the rate. And that's why we force everyone to lock in. Even if it costs me business, even if it costs me a customer, I'm going to force you to do what I know is best for you, which is lock your rate in on your mortgage upfront at initial time of application. Because what happens a lot of times is you say, well, well, if I float and the market gets better, I would get a lower rate. In theory, yes. But what most mortgage companies do is they float you. And if the market gets better, they don't tell you about it. And they just keep the extra money. Yeah. All right, this happens every day. Uh, when I was in wholesale, so before RP funding, I actually bought loans from mortgage brokers. It's a part of what we did. Sure. We bought loans from mortgage brokers. We bought loans from other correspondent lenders. So we would see how they did business and how they took advantage of their clients and what they did. And, and, and this whole floating thing, the customer almost never got the benefit of it. They would always leave the customer at the same rate and they would pocket the difference if the market got better. If the market got worse, then they would jack the, the customer up higher. If the market stayed the same, they would usually jack the customer up and lie to them and tell them the market got worse. So the simple way to avoid all this, and this is a key part of shopping for a mortgage, rule number one is shop around. And then a sub rule of that is if you are shopping for a mortgage, make sure you can get a written rate lock commitment up front. It's the only way to protect yourself from a bait and switch or from a bad situation down the road is to have that written rate lock agreement up front. And so if a company has some kind of crazy rule like you can't lock the rate until the third Thursday of every leap year or you can't mm -hmm. lock the rate until the appraisal comes back or you can't lock the rate until the senior vice president gets back from Hawaii and reviews your file personally. I mean, I don't know what kind of crazy stuff they come up with, but you want a company that can lock your rate in, I would say, within 24 hours of the initial conversation. You do not want to let a lot of time get by because, see, what happens is if, 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 I, tried to, if I tried to resell you a 9% rate 24 hours later— You've got plenty of time to go somewhere else. Oh, sure. So you still have the power as the consumer. But once you let two, three weeks go by and you haven't locked that rate in, you've given all your power back to the mortgage company mm -hmm. and you are now at their mercy. And when you're at their mercy, they're going to make more money on you because it is what they do. They are like vampires. They're definitely in the driver's seat. I had a visual while you were talking about that. And I thought of somebody right off of Daytona Beach, maybe, and they've got themselves afloat. And they're just floating wherever the waves and the wind takes them when actually they'd rather be over there by the lifeguard where That's they're it. secure. Lock. And, and, lock. They, have, and they have no lock. control. Got to lock right. it in. Got to lock I'm it in. Loving it. Rob, let's go to the Ask RPs. Ask RP at 35353. That's 35353. That is the five-digit texting. I love the new technology. Ashley in Sarasota. Now, folks, you got to follow this, okay? It's like following the shell game in New York. Ashley says, Dear Robert, I was married for over 10 years and never really had credit in my name. I've always held a job, and I currently make around $50,000 a year. I am now divorced, and our home is up for sale. My portion of the proceeds from the sale will be about $19,000 when it's all said and done. How do I begin to build credit toward purchasing a home? So when you're saying no credit, Rob, like we Just really none. I mean, nothing. the husband did everything, right? Okay. All right. Yeah. So, wow. so you're going to need to have some credit. Um, you know, with your 19000 down... We may be able to look at an alternative. Well, she doesn't have rent or anything. So what yeah. I was going to say is if you don't have a credit score, but if we can show rental history and we can show where you paid your cell phone on time and utilities on time, even though they don't report to your credit, we can build an alternative credit file for you. Okay. And under certain loan programs and certain scenarios, we can use that to make you a loan. Um, she's probably not going to have utilities in her name because they were in his name. She's, yeah. I mean, probably not even the cell phone. Probably, probably nothing. And, and so what I would say is you're going to have to rent for a little while. Unfortunately, sure. but, but I think the, the plan is we want to get you out of renting as soon as possible. Um, you've got $19,000. That's good. Uh, and so one, you're going to want to put that money somewhere safe so you don't accidentally spend it. Right. Like, like I would I would really encourage you to take that 19000 and stick it in a CD or stick it in a money market account. Stick it in an account that is not your normal checking account. Yeah. So you're not like out to dinner and you're like, oh, I've got $19,380. Yeah, I can buy the lobster. Right. I mean, move that. Can I get that money out of sight, out of mind? And you want to use that to ultimately get your family, get yourself back into a home. Now, uh, you may want to get a secured credit card. That's what I mean. Okay. She's got the money in the bank, yeah, right? Exactly. So when you, when you go to a little bank or credit union and you say, hey, I'm going to put this $19,000 in a CD, I would like a credit card. All right? They can actually secure that credit card by the $19,000. Uh, and this way, they don't take a risk because chances are with you not having a credit score, they're not going to want to give you a credit card. No one wants to be that first one in to the pool. Yeah. Uh, but but if you give them $19,000 of your money in a savings account or a, a money market account or a CD, now they're willing to give you a credit card for a couple thousand bucks because they can't lose because they have 19000 of your money. Mm -hmm. And then they're going to give you a credit card for three to five. I would, I would shoot for like a $5,000 credit card uh, in that case, right? So that you have 
a good balance. I wouldn't go crazy, but have a good balance. Then use it and pay it off and use it and pay it off. Uh, she's probably going to need a vehicle. You know, this is another thing to figure out. Yeah, uh, what's she yeah. going to do vehicle-wise? So maybe a little bit of that 19000 has to go toward a down payment on a vehicle. Uh, so if you get the secured credit card first, I don't know, I don't know if your current vehicle situation can get you by, but if you could wait a couple months to buy the car until that secured card is that time to report. Uh, what, the other thing you can do is uh, uh, at the credit unions, they can sometimes give you a signature loan. So actually you'll get two credit lines. So you get, you get your credit. So we take the 19000 and stick it in the CD, right? And then we say, okay, I would like for you to give me a $5,000 credit card that's secured by that CD. And I would also like you to give me a $5,000 uh, signature loan, right, that's secured by that. And so it's just like a $5,000 loan that it's, you know, you're know going to pay back over three to five years. Maybe a $10,000 loan there, and you use that $10,000 to then go buy a car. Uh, the key is put your $19,000 in the CD and then have them loan the money back to you to do the things you need to do. So if you decide you want to buy a car, you could take five or ten, you know, fifteen thousand out of there and use that money to go buy the car. And now you have two trade lines. You have the credit card trade line and you have the signature loan trade line. So this will very quickly, within six to nine months, you'll have a credit score as long as you pay it on time, use it responsibly, and you could theoretically be buying a house in twelve months. So you go lease an nice. apartment for twelve months, and at this point now you'll be able to get a regular credit card and a regular car loan. So then you can pay those other loans off, get your nineteen thousand back out of your CD. And go buy a house. So that's that would be the twelve month plan to go from zero credit to hero credit. Uh, would be the the two like the the two secured credit lines, a credit card and a credit line, which a local credit union is a great place to go for that. Uh, if I was in the Tampa area, I would go to Mid Florida. If I'm on the Orlando side, I would go to Fairwinds, uh, and I would give them my nineteen thousand, get the two, get the credit line and the credit card both secured, pay them on time, use them responsibly, and watch my credit score shoot up into the seven hundreds from nowhere. Great financial advice from Robert Palmer. And, of course, the Saving Thousands Radio Network. In closing, let me give you some of the great resources. Oh, we've talked a lot about SavingThousands.com. So you pretty well got that down, right? But let me give you some telephone numbers that you can use, and there's no obligation. But these are kind of tools that Robert has put out there for you. One is 855-773-8634. 855-773-8634. What is that? Well, that is the office number for the headquarters of the Robert Palmer family of companies. And that can also put you in touch with a licensed mortgage person who is going to, without any obligation, answer your phone calls. Maybe you're looking for a great realtor that practices in your area. Maybe you just simply want to talk about a refi and say, now, I'm not exactly saying I'm going to refi, but I'd just like to get your opinion on it. We have people right here at the Robert Palmer family of companies that are dedicated to help you. It's as simple as that. This is not a hard sell company. So feel free, use the number 855-773-8634. Now, here is a great number that is a valuable tool that everybody should have in all 50 states and actually around the world. And that's the number for the Home Value Hotline, 866-222-8231. That's 866-222-8231. What is the Home Value Hotline? Well, the Home Value Hotline is a service provided by us to give you a very precise evaluation of your home. And how do we do it? Well, we don't depend on a computer sitting in some room running up algorithms of square footage and that sort of thing. Nope, we actually use local real estate professionals to give you the value of your home. That's going to wrap it up. We hope that you always will save thousands with Robert Palmer. 